<laughs> no one could celebrate Christmas like Mr. and Mrs. Fezziwig. Dick and I stayed up half the night talking about Fezziwig's Christmas gatherings. Was there ever a kinder man? It is a small matter to make you so full of gratitude. Small? He has spent only a few pounds of your mortal money. Three or four, perhaps. Is that so much that he deserves your praise? Which is that? He had the power to render us happy or unhappy, to make our service light or burdensome, a pleasure or a toil. The happiness he gave was quite as great as if it had cost him a fortune. What's the matter? Nothing particular. Something, I think. No, I should like to be able to say a word or two to my clerk just now, that's all. My time grows short. Quick. Quick? But, but where? See yourself during another Christmas, Ebenezer. Only now, you are in love. Oh. It's only a shilling ring, Belle. But one day it'll be a gold one, when I'm rich enough. It's a beautiful ring. Oh, but I mustn't accept it. Why not? Because it's not good enough for you. No. Because I'm not rich enough for you. How foolish of you. Of course not. But you're still so young. You may have a change of heart one day. Dearest Belle, if ever I have a change of heart, it's because my heart has ceased to beat. And it makes no difference that I am poor? I love you because you're poor, not proud and foolish. Will you always feel like that? As long as I live, longer, forever and ever. Then I accept your ring. Belle. Oh, Ebenezer. God bless you, Belle. I've seen enough. Yet more awaits you. I will not look. You shall. Ebenezer, my lad. Yes, Mr. Fezziwick. I'd like you to meet the accountant from the new owners. Allow me to introduce you to Mr. Jacob Marley. Mr. Jacob Marley, Mr. Ebenezer Scrooge. Your servant, Mr. Marley. Your servant, Mr. Scrooge. Mr. Marley will be assisting us in the transition of assets to the new owners. Alas, Ebenezer, it is all undone. Don't be downhearted, Mr. Fezziwig. You resisted their offers longer than could be expected of any man. I should have resisted longer. Until my death, I believe. With all due respect, Mr. Fezziwig, my company made you a most generous bargain. Oh, indeed they did, young man. But it isn't for money that one spends a lifetime building up a business. If it isn't, that I would enjoy the education of finding out what you do spend a lifetime building a business for. It is to preserve a way of life that one knew and loved. Now I fear this is the end of small traders like me. It is the age of the machine and factories and vested interests. But the deal is done, sir. Yes, it is. The deal is done. So, if you'll pardon me, gentlemen, I'll leave you to get acquainted. Tell me, Mr. Scrooge, do you agree with your former employer? I think I know what Mr. Fezziwig means. Oh? Are you also against progress and money? No, I'm not against them, sir. But I believe we must move cautiously into this new age and... Weigh carefully its costs to humanity. Move too cautiously and carefully, my friend, and the age will leave you behind. Suppose I told you that my company can afford to pay you twice the salary Mr. Fezziwig pays you. 
an advancement he could never have afforded to offer you. What would you say to that? Well, I'd still say that money isn't everything. <laughs> If it isn't, I don't know what is. The future belongs to our generation, Mr. Scrooge. To those who are strong and prepared to make changes by whatever means necessary. Wouldn't you agree? I see the world is becoming a very hard and cruel place. One must steel oneself to survive it. Yes. Yes. I believe we have many things in common, Mr. Scrooge. You're not a fool. And if you're willing to learn from me, I believe we'll go very far. Very far indeed. Mr. Scrooge, thank you for coming. She's my sister and she sent for me. What else would I do? May I see her now? Yes, but please try not to excite her. Well, of course not, Doctor. Thank you. No, Spirit. Not here. Yes, here. Fran. Ebenezer. I sent for you. Promise me. Promise you what, Fran? I'd promise you anything, dearest. Only there isn't any need for promises. You're going to get well again. No. You are. You must. You're going to get well again. Do you understand? You're going to get well. No. Dear brother, I'm going to die. No, Fran. Don't say such nonsense. You're not going to die. You're going to get well again. You must get well. Mr. Scrooge, please. What kind of doctor are you? Filling her head with the idea of death. She isn't going to die. Tell her she isn't. Mr. Scrooge, I must ask you to leave. Please, for her sake. But she is going to way. die. Not for him. She cannot. Spirit, how could you have brought me here? Have you no mercy, no pity? Ebenezer. Dear, dear brother. Promise me. Promise me. That you'll take care of my boy. Promise me that you'll take care of. You heard her. Yes. Forgive me, Fran. Please forgive me. Please, please forgive me. There it is, old boy. The offices of Scrooge and Marley. Come, let's drink a toast. Yes, a toast. The fools didn't know what hit them. Imagine thinking they could get the better of us in a deal. <laughs> the wizards of the accounts. <laughs> Come a long way from old Fezziwigs, haven't we? From the holders of the purse to the keepers. Long may it prosper. Long and heavy may it grow. I give you, Mr. Jacob Marley, Esquire. I give you, Mr. Ebenezer Scrooge, Esquire. The future is ours, and all the money we can hope to take from it. <laughs> it matters little, Ebenezer. 
To you, very little. No, spirit. Why do you delight to torture me? You will watch. Ebenezer, another idol has displaced me. And if it can cheer and comfort you in time to come, as I would have tried to do, I have no just cause to grieve. What idol has displaced you? A golden one. Look, I don't know what you're talking about, Belle. All your hopes have merged into the hope of wealth. I have seen your nobler aspirations fall off one by one until the master passion gains and grosses you. You are consumed by it. Look, there is nothing on which the world is so hard as poverty, and there is nothing it professes to condemn with such severity as the pursuit of wealth. You fear the world too much. What of it? Even if I have grown wiser in my understanding of the world, what then? I'm not changed towards you. You are. Our contract is an old one. It was made when we were both poor and content to be so until in due time we could improve our fortune by our patient industry. You are changed. When it was made, you were another man. I was a boy. There. Your own feeling tells you that you are not what you were. I am. That which promised happiness when we were one in heart is fraught with misery now that we are two. How often and how keenly I have thought of this, I will not say. It is enough that I have thought of it and can now release you from our engagement. I have not sought your release, have I? In words, no, never. Well, in what then? In a changed nature, in an altered spirit, in another hope, in everything that made my love of any worth or value in your sight. If we had not made this promise when we were young... Would you seek me out, a dowerless girl, and try to win me now? Well, you think not? I would gladly think otherwise if I could. Ebenezer, if for a moment you were false enough to your one guiding principle of gain to marry me, do I not know that your repentance and regret would surely follow? I do. So I release you with a full heart for the love of him you once were. As you wish. You may have pain in this. A very, very brief time and you will dismiss the recollection of it gladly as an unprofitable dream from which it happened well that you awoke. (sighs) May you be happy in the life you have chosen. Spirit, remove me from this place. I told you, these were the shadows of things that have been. That they are what they are, do not blame me. Cannot bear it any more. Take me back. We have another shadow. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and have not charity... I am become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and can understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, 
I am nothing. My dear Belle. Yes, Charles. The soup is ready in the kitchen, and another three families have arrived. The children were without shoes, and the mothers need your counsel. I'll continue the scripture reading here. Of course. Do you mind, Mrs. Beadnell? No, child, no. I won't keep you. You have more to fret over than a crippled old woman. I would hope the Reverend is able to read scripture with some skill by now. I'll do my best. You rest now, Mrs. Beadnell. Thank you. Oh, Belle? Yes, darling? I've been meaning to tell you, I saw an old friend of yours this afternoon. Who was it? Mr. Scrooge. Oh. I passed his office window, and as it was the only one not shut up for Christmas, I could see him inside. I understand his partner lies upon the point of death, and there he sat alone. Quite alone in the world, I do believe. Yes, alone. I go to see to those families. Thank you, my love. Now, where were we? Angels, Reverend. And I don't mind saying that your wife is one. Bless her heart, Reverend. Bless her heart. Come in. Mr. Scrooge, sir? Yes, what is it? Bad news, I'm afraid, sir. Well? Yeah. Mr. Marley succumbed to his illness only moments ago, sir. Uh, I'm sorry to tell you he, he's dead, sir. Hmm. Uh, Mr. Scrooge? What is it, Cratchit? Well, uh, the, the, the undertaker has asked that you sign the death register, sir. The undertaker will have to wait. The business of the day is not concluded until seven o'clock, and at seven o'clock I will deal with the matter. Yes, sir. Uh, right, sir. Um, I, I, I'm sure they won't mind waiting with the body until then, sir. That's what they're paid to do. I'm sure they won't. Now, oh, back to work with you. Uh, yes, sir. Jacob Marley worked at your side for over 20 years. He was the only friend you ever had. But what did you feel when you signed the register of his burial and took his money, his house, and his few mean sticks of furniture? Did you feel pity for him? Did you feel remorse? What was on your mind? You squeezing, wrenching, grasping, scraping, clutching, covetous old sinner! No more! No more, spirits! Haunt me no longer, do you hear me? Haunt me no longer! Spirit? What's happened to you, spirit? Where's your light? Spirit! Spirit! Oh, oh, oh! Oh, my bed. I'm back. I'm back. The nightmare is over. Ebenezer Scrooge lay upon his bed as a blaze of ruddy light streamed upon him. He was powerless to make out what it meant. He eventually discerned that the light might be in the adjoining room. This idea taking full possession of his mind, he got up softly and shuffled in his slippers to the door. The moment his hand was on the lock, a voice called out. Scrooge! 
Out of bed with you. Come in. Come in. And know me better, man. Out of bed with you. Come in. Come in. And know me better, man. Scrooge obeyed and walked into the room. It was his own room, there was no doubt about that. But it had undergone a surprising transformation. The walls and ceiling were so hung with living green that it looked like a perfect grove from every part of which bright gleaming berries glistened. The crisp leaves of holly, mistletoe and ivy reflected back the light as if so many little mirrors had been scattered there. Such a mighty blaze went roaring up the chimney and heaped up upon the floor to form a kind of throne where turkeys, geese, game, poultry, great joints of meat, long wreaths of sausages, mince pies, plum puddings, barrels of oysters, red-hot chestnuts, cherry-cheeked apples, juicy oranges, luscious pears, and seething bowls of punch that made the chamber dim with their delicious steam. On this throne sat a jolly giant. Glorious to see, dressed in a deep green robe bordered with white fur. His dark brown curls were long and free, free as his genial face, his sparkling eyes, and his joyful air. He bore a glowing torch, in shape not unlike a horn of plate, and held it up high to shed its light on Scrooge as he came peeping round the door. Come in, come in. I am the ghost of Christmas present. Look upon me. You've never seen the like of me before. Never. And you have never walked forth with the other members of my family in years past? Well, I, I don't think I have. How many of you are there? Over 1,800. Oh, such a large family to care for. I, I, I don't know how I miss such a large gathering each Christmas. Mortal. We spirits of Christmas do not live on only the one day of the year. We live the entire 365. So is it true of the babe born in Bethlehem. He does not live in the hearts of men just one day of the year, but in all the days of the year. Ah. You have chosen not to seek him in your heart. Therefore, you will come with me and seek him in the hearts of men of goodwill. Spirits, conduct me where you will. If you have a desire to teach me, then let me profit by it. Touch my robe. Oh, uh, uh, if you insist. <laughs> Look, by never venturing out on this blessed day, see the joyful activity you have missed and the wondrous humanity you have avoided. Even under this soot-filled sky, Christmas cheer abounds like the clearest summer's day. The ruddy-cheeked children throwing snowballs, the women bustling to the bakers with their Christmas dinners, the grocers giving up the last of their fruits and meats before closing their shutters, and all good people dressed in their best clothes, making their way to church and chapel with the gayest faces you will ever set your eyes upon. 
Look at them, man. Uh, yes, I, I, I see. But, um, your torch. What of it? Well, the way you pass it over the people. Is it a particular kind of incense? It is. My own. Oh, is it useful to the people on this day? It is useful to those who have the heart to receive it. To poor hearts, mostly. Why to a poor heart, most? Because it needs it most. Here is a house that would benefit from as much as I dare offer from my torch. Well, whose house is this you favor over others? Do you not recognize it? No. Should I? It belongs to your clerk, Bob Cratchit. Does it? Watch. Oh, Mother, I could smell the goose at the baker's. It was ours. I know it was. Oh, I could almost taste the sage and onion. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think these potatoes are almost done. Ready to be peeled. Well, I'll, I'll mash them while you run and get the goose, will you, Peter? Yes, Mother. Oh, wherever is your father and Tiny Tim, then? And Martha wasn't this late last Christmas Day. Here's Martha, Mother. Oh, oh I'm so sorry. Oh, Martha, oh. you should see the goose. Oh, bless your heart alive, my dear, how late you are. Oh, we had a deal of work to finish up last night and had to clear away this morning. Well, never mind. As long as you've come, now sit you down before the fire, my dear, and have a warm Lord blessing. <laughs> Here come Father and Tim. Here they are. Hello, everyone. Oh, hello. Oh, Martha, you are here after all. Hello, Father. Hello. hello, Tim. I'm so glad to see you, Martha. It wouldn't have been Christmas if you hadn't come. No, no, no. Tim, you must come into the washhouse to hear the puddings singing in the oh, copper. Oh, yes, yes, you must. I'd like that very much. Then come along. Yes, yes, hurry. Take care, Tim. Hurry along. Careful. And how did little Tim behave in church? Oh, as good as gold and better. Somehow, you know, he gets thoughtful sitting by himself so much and he thinks the strangest things you ever heard. He told me, coming home, that he hoped the people saw him in the church because he was a cripple and it might be pleasant for him to remember upon Christmas Day who made lame beggars walk and blind men see. I believe he's growing stronger, you know, and more hearty. Don't you think so, my dear? I pray that it's so, Robert. You do your duty and make the punch. Right you are, my dear. Tell me, spirit, will the lame boy live? I see a vacant seat in the poor chimney corner and a crutch without an owner carefully preserved. If these shadows remain unaltered by the future, the child will die. No, no, kind spirit. Say he will be spared. Spared? If he be like to die, he had better do it and decrease the surplus population. No, no, you can't have any more. Be still. Be still. Be still. Look, everyone, be still. Shh, shh, shh. Your father wants to speak. My dear, 
I don't believe there ever was such a marvellous goose cooked. Oh, 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 and the pudding. Oh, it's perhaps the greatest success achieved since our marriage. Oh, well, I, I, I confess I had my doubts about the quantity of flour. Oh, an unnecessary worry, my love. And now, now I'd like to make an important announcement. Oh. oh about you, Master Peter. Oh, Master Peter? Me, Father? Yes, you. I have my eye on a situation for you which would bring in, if obtained, a full five and sixpence weekly. That's more than what I make at the millineries. Oh, thank you, Father. And now I raise a toast. A Merry Christmas to us all, my dears. God bless us. God bless us. God bless us, everyone. <laughs> and I'll give you Mr Scrooge, the founder of our feast. Oh, the founder of our feast, indeed. I wish I had him here. I'd give him a piece of my mind to feast upon, and I hope he'd have a good appetite for it. Now, my dear, the children, Christmas Day... Which should be Christmas Day, I'm sure, on which one drinks the health of such an odious, stingy, hard, unfeeling man as Mr Scrooge. Now, my... you, you know he is, Robert. Nobody knows it better than you do, poor fellow. My dear, please, Christmas Day. Well, I'll drink his health. For your sake and the days. Not for his. Long life to him. A Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. He'll be very merry and very happy, I've no doubt. Mr. Scrooge! Do not turn away, Ebenezer Scrooge. Look closely at this scene and let it be stamped indelibly upon your heart. They are not a handsome family. They are not well-dressed. Their shoes are far from being waterproofed. Their clothes are scanty, but they are happy, grateful, pleased with one another, and contented with the time. The blessings of God are larger and greater than anything you can fit in your purse. Remember what you see here and throughout homes everywhere on this day. I will, Spirit. Ah, but this is not the only place where you are being thought of. (laughs) Come. No, no, honestly, he said that Christmas was a humbug. And as I live, he believed it, too. Well, more shame for him, Fred. Oh, no, no, Alice, don't be like that. He's a strange old fellow, and I've nothing to say against him. I mean, consider his state. Now, more wealth than most, but it's no use to him. He doesn't make himself more comfortable, nor even has the satisfaction that he'll ever benefit us with it. (laughs) Oh, don't go on. I've no patience with him. Oh, I have. Oh, no, I'm sorry for him. I couldn't be angry with him if I tried. Now, look, who suffers by his ill whims? Himself, always. Here, he takes it into his head to dislike us, and he won't come and dine with us. Well, what's the consequence? He doesn't lose much of a dinner, perhaps. Oh, Oh, I think he loses a very good dinner. Yes, it was an excellent dinner. Was it? Well, I'm very glad to hear you think so, because, frankly, I haven't any great faith in these young housekeepers. 
What do you say, Chopper? Oh, I'm afraid that as a bachelor I'm a wretched outcast and haven't the right to express an opinion on the subject. <laughs> do I, my dear, distant, immovable Jane? <laughs> Mr Chopper, you are incorrigible. Oh, do finish what you're saying, Fred, so we can get on with the game. Oh, of course. All right, all right. No, I was only going to say, the consequences of my uncle taking a dislike to us, not making merry with us here, well, I think he loses some very pleasant moments, which could do him no harm. Certainly better for him than he'd find in his mouldy old office or dusty old chambers. So I mean to give him the same chance every year, whether he likes it or not. For I pity him. You know, he may rail against Christmas until he dies, but he can't help thinking better of it if he finds me going there in good temper year after year and saying, Uncle Scrooge, how are you? A Merry Christmas to you! Well, if it only puts him in the vein to leave his poor clock a few extra pounds, then that's something. So, come on, raise your glasses one and all to my Uncle Ebenezer Scrooge! Yes, a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year to the old man. Now, let's play some games! <laughs> Do you see? From one end of the city to the other, you are thought of in spite of yourself. Do you see yet the wondrous workings of this time of Christmas? Its sacred name and origin are not lost on those hearts open to receive its founder. From the darkest moor where miners work the deep earth, to the solitary lighthouse where a lonely keeper listens to the waves crash against the rocks. Out to sea, yes, even out to sea, where a helmsman remembers some bygone Christmas day as he guides his ship through the foamy brine. Then back again to land, to sick beds, almshouses, hospitals and jails. They know me. Most of all, they know me in misery's every refuge where vain man in his petty authority has not bolted the door and barred me out. The blessing of Christmas is there. And through Christmas, Christ himself. Ah, but this day is so brief, and I must go. Wait, wait, Spirit. Uh, Forgive me if I'm not justified in what I ask, but... I see something strange, uh, not belonging to yourself, protruding from the bottom of your robe. Uh, Is it a foot or a claw? It might be a claw, for the flesh there is so slight upon it. Look down here, old man. Oh! Oh! What, What are they? Savages? Animals of some strange origin? They are children. Children? But... Spirit, are they yours? They are man's. And they cling to me in desperation. This boy is ignorance. This girl is want. Beware them both and all of their degree. But most of all, beware this boy ignorance. For on his brow I see that written which is doom. Doom! Unless the writing be erased. But have they no refuge? No resource? Are there no prisons? Are there no workhouses? Are there no prisons? Are there no workhouses? Are there no prisons? Are there no workhouses? Stop! Stop! I can barely... 
Scrooge looked about him for the ghost and saw it not. As the last stroke ceased to vibrate, he remembered the promise of old Jacob Marley and, lifting his eyes, beheld a solemn phantom, draped and hooded, coming like a grave, silent mist along the ground towards him. Scrooge bent down upon his knee, for in the very air through which this spirit moved, it seemed to spread gloom and mystery. I... I... Am I in the presence of the ghost of Christmas yet to come? You are. You, you are about to show me shadows of the things that have not happened, but will happen in the time before us. Is that so, spirit? It is as you say. Oh, ghost of the future. I fear you more than any spectre I've seen. So you should. But I believe, I must believe that your purpose is to do me good. I am prepared to bear you company. Come. The night is waning fast. Lead on, spirit. Lead on. <laughs> 